I was reading uh, in the news this week um, uh, a quote, an article that was quoted, Kristalina Geodriva. And I may be massacring that name. If I do, I'm sorry, Kristalina. But she is the director of the International Monetary Fund. You're all familiar with the IMF, right? Maybe not. It is the United Nations agency that is trying to promote economic uh, health and well-being and stability throughout the world. And uh, she said in this article, and this is actually the, the, uh, the lead line of the article, we need to think of the unthinkable. We need to think of the unthinkable. And uh, she was saying this in the context of all the things that have happened in our world this past, these past few years and the economic fallout from those things and the uncertainty that's, that, that's produced. And it's just like there's so much thing, so much stuff is kind of up in the air that we just can't approach the world and we can't approach a global economy. We can't think about it the ways that we used to think about it. We have to think about the unthinkable. And the thing about thinking about the unthinkable is that it, it's hard to think about things that are unthinkable, right? Now... I think Hollywood does a pretty good job of that. When they make movies, when they tell their stories, they think of a lot of things that I would never think of. But thinking about the unthinkable. And the other thing that struck me about this, this statement is the things that she's talking about, things like the war in Ukraine, the pandemic, the global pandemic, those things are actually not unthinkable, right? Are they? I mean, those things have happened over and over and over again in history. She does go on to say, she says, we will have to change our mindset to be much more agile and much more oriented toward building resilience at all levels so we can handle the shocks better. What she actually is saying in this is, is not that we need to prepare for everything that could possibly happen. It's impossible, right? We, can't, we don't know what's going to happen. We can't prepare for things that we don't know. What she's actually saying in this statement is we need to prepare for any possibility. We need to, be, we need to actually change the way that we think and the ways that we act so that we can better manage whatever happens in the world. Building resilience at all levels so that we can handle the shocks, whatever they are, better. And it struck me when I was reading that because we're now in the last week of our series, Inside Out. What needs to happen inside of us to enable us to live outwardly what God is doing inside? How do we change our character? How do we change our behavior? How do we live in a world where there's so much stuff going on and continue to have lives that are fruitful, that are productive, that are stable, that are secure, that are life-giving, no matter what goes on around us? How do we have resilience so that, as Paul talks about, that we can, that we can be strengthened inwardly, even as the world is falling apart around us? And through this series, just by way of reminder and review, the, the first week we talked about the design, 
the way that we were made. And in the design, we were made to run on God. To have this life source inside of us. You go back to the beginning of the story. That when God created Adam out of the clay, he was just an inanimate object until God breathed in him the breath of life and he became a living being. That it was the breath of God being breathed into the Adam, into the lungs of Adam, that made him a living being. It's the breath of God that makes us alive. We were made to run on God. And then what did God say in this creation story? He said, the only thing that wasn't good in all this creation was for man to be alone. And so out of man, he makes Eve, which means, literally translated, life, so that through this couple now, through relationships, that we would experience the life of God who has, ex- who has existed eternally in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the breath of God breathe, being breathed into us is life-giving. Relationships are life-giving. And at the center of the garden, we had the tree of life, which we had access to in the garden prior to the fall, And in the garden, we did the work. So we have life-giving relationships. We have life-giving work. We have the breath of God in us. We were made to run on the life of God. But as the story progresses, that union with God through which this life-giving source flowed into our lives was broken when Adam and Eve decided that They were more interested in knowing about other stuff, about knowing good stuff and bad stuff, than they were in wanting to know God. And so their desire to know how to do other things, how to do good things and how to do bad things and how to choose whether to do good things or bad things, led them into a place where the source that was supposed to flow through them now is cut off. And before you judge too quickly on Adam and Eve, just ask yourself a second, right? What do you want to know about the coming week? You want to know how it is that you're going to deal with this problem at work and how it is that you're going to deal with the problems you have in your family and how it is you're going to fix this and how it is that you're going to take care of that? Or do you want to know God? Do you want to know the fullness and the life of God? What do you want What do we want? It was their desire to know, hey, what am I going to do? And how am I going to take care of it? They got in the way of this union with God. And the world isn't a supporting actor in your story. The world isn't helping you, trying to help you figure out how to do life God's way. The world is trying to offer you a thousand different ways that you can get by and get along that don't include God in your story. And so every time we turn on the TV or every time we look onto um, our, our miracle little computers in our hand, it's offering us all kinds of options, knowledge of how to do this and how to take care of that and how to go there and how to be, right? All these different avenues offering life that are other than the life and the source of life that God purposed for us to know. The world isn't helping us. And it's my observation, and I suspect many of you feel the same way, it's not getting any easier, and it's not really getting any better, is it? 
I, I remember back before the pandemic, and it seemed like at that point, like people were just getting more and more. Actually, I remember I can go back and look at my sermon series on, um, you know, how the world's becoming more and more uh, bitter and more and more angry and how people were more and more, um, you know, mean and, and we have more and more violence. And, you know, this is all before. And we thought, how can it get any worse? But it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And then we hit the global pandemic and all that stuff looked like child play now, doesn't it? Like who wouldn't want to like just flash back to 2019 when we had the good life? And it wasn't good. Jesus' mission, the reason he came to the world was to restore our union with God. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. How are we going to have life? I'm going to die for your sins so that you can be forgiven, so you can be restored to your union with God, so that you can have the life of God in you. Jesus said that they may be one, us may be one with God, as he and the Father were one. That we would be one again in communion, in fellowship, in oneness with God. And have the life of God. The question is, do we want what God is offering? Do you want what God is offering? We lost paradise. I remember the story of the sea lion I told a few weeks ago. The story, we lost the ocean. And, and what's more tragic than losing the ocean is that we've gotten used to it. Right? We've just tried to figure out how to get by now that we're living in the desert, how to arrange for the best life that we can make of without the ocean. So we have our little puddle and we have our little shade tree and we just cling to those things, trying to make the best we can in the world that we have. Do we want what God has to offer? Do we still long for the ocean or do we just want to get through another day? Do we just want to get through another week? Dare we dream again? Are we content to cling to our puddles and our shade trees? If we do, if we want the life that God purposes for us, that he created us for, we need, Paul says, the fullness of God in us. We need the life of God being the primary source of life again. We need to get our head straight. We need to get our story straight. What is the story that we're living in? It is a story that if we get the right political party in place, then, then they will save the world. It's the story that if we could just get Russia back into their corner of the world, that everything will be okay. It's the story that if I can just get this job or, or get, have this opportunity or, or, or get married or have kids or have my kids behave better, that my life will be... What's the story that we're living in? Is the story that the sky is falling and everything's just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse until we all get smushed in some kind of a, a zombie apocalypse? What's the story? It's a story that God is the sovereign creator of the universe, that he reigns over all of creation, that it's in his hands 
And even though there's a lot of stuff going wrong, God has promised that he is coming to restore all things, to make all things new again. We need to get our story straight, to be transformed in our minds. We need to, we need our whole heart. That there's, to love God with our whole heart, we have to have our whole heart, but parts of our heart have been shut down by the trauma that we've experienced in our life so that we don't want to go there and we don't want to open up these parts of our heart. So we have all this emotional baggage that shuts us down. We need our whole hearts. We need to clean them out again. Through oneness with God, our minds can be renewed. We can have the mind of Christ. Our hearts can be healed. Paul says we can have the same attitude. Anybody need an attitude adjustment? Paul says that through oneness with God, we can have the mind of Christ. We can have the attitude of Christ. What God is offering is this, Paul says, Christ in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you. We have, all of us, a rule of life. And I don't mean like rules, rule, like an order to a life, a way that we do things. I read this week that 43% of our life is, is habits, things that we do automatically without even thinking about them. We have a rule of life, an order, a way that we do things. And I can, a few examples, real simple, right? Um, and the thing about our habits is that they produce the life that we are living. The, the habits that we have, the, the, the order, the rule of our life produces the life that we're living. So simple example, right? Your um, dental care is producing the health of your mouth and your teeth. If you are brushing every day and you are flossing, then when you go to the dentist, your hygienist says, you have great dental care, home health care. And so I don't have to chisel your teeth with a hammer and a chisel to get all the tartar off of them. The, the experience of the dentist is a product of the rule of how you care for your health. Diet and exercise produce your level of health and fitness. Now, there are some things in there that we can't control, right? But in a large part, right, if, if you eat right and exercise, regardless of those other things, you're going to feel better and live better than if you don't. Your order, the way that you th do things, is producing the way that you experience life. Your relational practices, right? How do you connect with the important people in your life? Do you connect with them? And I can tell you that, you know, Deb and I have been together for 35 years, and we've kind of been through some, you know, the, the normal things. And, and when we're not talking to each other on a regular basis or something, you know, we just get busy, and we don't pay attention, and we don't take time, that produces problems in our relationship. The way that we do things produces the life that we live. Your work habits, your media consumption, 
And for those of us who, through the course of our lives, have come to a place where we've realized, hey, the way that I'm doing life isn't always working out so well. And maybe actually I've kind of made a mess of things. This thing of running my own life has produced kind of some chaos and some turmoil, and it's not going real well. And then we hear this good news that God wants to, re, wants to restore our union with him. Our default response, our, I think our, our first initiative, and you can decide whether this is true for you or not. I think I find it to be true of me, and I, and I see it and observe it in a lot of people, but, but maybe not everyone. So when we want God back into our life, that our tendency is to try to squeeze him into the life that we're already living. So we, we try, okay, it's like I want, I want to have this relationship with God again. I, I want him to, to, um, to re-enter the story of my life. So I'm going to try and, um, I'm gonna try and add him to my life. I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get up, earlier every morning and pray and, and I'm going to, um, you know, try harder to read my Bible and I'm going to do my best to, to go to church and, or, or to be in a small group and, and you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, and then we find ourselves, you know, I, I meant to, but I'm just too tired or I'm too busy to, to do those things and I really want to do them. But mostly what we're trying to do in that is, is we're trying to create this scenario where God enters into our life and helps us with the life that we want to live. That helps us with our life. Who doesn't want God's help with their life? And when it's not working out, it's not working out because it's really about us trying to squeeze God into our life. The way that we do things. We want him to help us to get along as best we can on this side of Eden. Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and invited us to enter into his kingdom. He invited us to enter into his kingdom. A kingdom is the range of of the king's effective will. A a kingdom is the the realm in which what the king wants is what gets done. So when you or I enter into a new kingdom, say God's kingdom, then we're saying the range of God's effective will is now over my life over my domain, over everywhere I have any kind of influence or authority, I'm saying I'm bringing that over, I'm bringing God's rule over everything that is mine and calling it his now. A new kingdom. What is God's effective will? A lot of people have, you know, all kinds of trauma and, and duress about trying to figure out what God's will is for our life. You ever wanted to know what God's will is for your life? Like, well, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you... He actually kind of made it pretty simple. Um, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
and love your neighbor as yourself. That's, the, that's God's effective will. That's what he wants for our lives. You want to know what God's will is? He says, first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry, I'm going to give you a new rule. I'm going to add to the rules, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Instead of loving your neighbor as yourself, I want you to do it this way. Love them as I have loved you. That's his new commandment. Love them not the way you love each other or the way that you love. Love them the way that I love them. If you move into a new kingdom, you're not saying, God, help me with my world, my domain, with my realm. You're saying, God, I'm moving into your domain, your realm, under your rule. If we have a rule of life, and we all do, And you're moving into a new kingdom. And you need a new rule of life. Dallas Willard says, You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. You must arrange your days. You must create a rule of life a way of doing things that puts God front and center. And then as you create this new rule of life, you look around and say, okay, now I'm living under God's effective, the range of God's effective will. These are, the, these are the things that I need to do to keep God front and center in my life. And you're not asking, how do I squeeze these things into the life that I'm already living? You're asking, okay, now that I'm here and I'm walking in this and I'm living this way, what still fits from the life that I was living before? Not how do I squeeze God into my life, but when I'm living in God's realm, how does that play out in the life that I'm living in this world? Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment and confidence in your everyday life with God. We need a new rule. And if you've ever tried to change a rule, you discover that you need to practice, right? You're trying to implement some new things into your life. You need to practice the new rule. And I want to say right now, right, we're not talking about another to-do list. A list of obligations and duties and responsibilities. What Jesus offered is salvation. What, what he purposes to do is not to save your life your old life. He purposes to save you, to rescue you, to restore a union with us and God that makes life life again. So this is not a legalistic activity. It's the pursuit of a life that is connected to God. 
in which the things that we do are we're doing out of the mind of Christ and his spirit living in us and moving through us. A new rule. And these are the things that we've talked about. I'm just kind of putting all the pieces together from the last few weeks and saying, okay, all the, the individual parts, right? A new rule begins with this. Answer the door. It begins first just with welcoming God into our life again. Jesus enters by invitation. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Simply open the door and invite God back into your life, back into your story, back into your heart. Welcome him in. And we've talked about some things that we can do to help us out. We, we, I introduced you to the Pause app. I hope some of you, I hope all of you, I wish all of you were still using the, the Pause app. If you're not, I commend it to you again. It's, it's simple. Press pause. It starts with letting go of the world. <laughs> just for a minute. Just letting go of the world and saying, you know what, God, Peter says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. It's like if I let it go, God will hold it together. I can rest. I can relax. I can catch my breath. I can catch the breath of God. Let go for a minute. Ask God to restore your union with him. And this is not a one-time thing. I had a friend one time talked about the Holy Spirit. And it was, do we only get the Holy Spirit one time? We receive the Holy Spirit and it's there forever. We do receive the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ into our lives. But we leak. So we have to be filled up again and again and again and again. Restore our union, God. Ask God for the fullness of God. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians that you may fill, be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There's, I introduced you initially to the one-minute pause. If you open it up, there's actually a three-minute pause, and there's a five-minute pause, and there's a ten-minute pause, and there's all these different variations. I commend them to you. They're great resources. I'll show you in just a second how these pieces fit together. We talked about getting our minds right, co co consecrating our mental life to God. Fix your mind on the truth. Do not be conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Filter your thoughts. Capture every thought and make them obedient to Christ. Reign in speculation. Do not worry. We're looking at God. God, I'm, I'm bringing my light, my mind under your rule, under your kingdom, which means I'm now purposing not just to think my thoughts, God, but to think your thoughts. So wherever my thoughts don't line up with your thoughts, God, I bring my thoughts into an alignment. I consecrate my mind to you. There's a pause for mental strength. Check it out. Just a word, you have to, un you have to do the one-minute pause a few times to open up the three-minute pause. You have to do the three-minute pause a few times to open up the five-minute pause. You have to do the five-minute pause a couple times to open up all the rest of the pauses, okay? 
Lots of resources there. Consecrate your emotional life to God. The goal of God's work in us is Jesus taking up residence in every part of us. Our whole heart means that those parts of our heart that we've shut off, we open up our hearts to Jesus and he moves in and he starts knocking on different doors in different rooms in the house. He says, I, I want in this room. Will you let me in here? That, that trauma from when you're a kid, those, the relationship with the parent or the kid who hurt you along, that stuff that you're, the emotional baggage, I, I want in that room. Keep opening doors as God keeps moving in your life. Acknowledge wounds. Name losses. Invite God into those places. Ground yourself in the love of Christ, being rooted and established in love. We talked a couple weeks ago about this. Grounding yourself in the love of God. Start with the things that you love. What are the, the stuff that you love in the world is a gift. Receive it as a gift. Receive it as a message from God about how much he loves you, about how much you matter to him. And love him in return. I love you, God. I love you for your goodness. I love you for your grace. I love you for your abundance. I love you for your generosity. Literally. Love God in the ways that you love the people in your life. And we have to, we feel our emotions, they're real, they're valid, but we can't let them run our lives because they will run us into the ground to apply that mental um, um, consecration to our emotional lives too. Now, what I'm feeling now, I feel lost, I feel alone. Am I? Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. The truth, God, bring your truth over those places in my life where my feelings and my emotions are not in alignment with the truth of your kingdom. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, you were made for this union with God. And I'm going to restore this union. And your union with God is now through me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. It's a vine. You're the branches, and you have to stay connected to the vine to grow and produce fruit. So as we wrap this thing up, um, I have a lattice over here. And I'm going to move over here, and Ron's going to follow me with the, um, the camera so our online viewers can stay with us. If you've ever, um, you know, like seen grapes grow, if you leave the vine on the ground, what happens? Anything that produces off the vine is laying on the ground, and it dies, and it rots, and it's not healthy. It won't grow. It doesn't, it's not fruitful. It doesn't produce. So if you want to produce fruit, you want the vine to be healthy and grow, you put it on, this is um, a, what do you call it, lattice, 
they often use a trellis, but we're going to use a lattice because that's what I have. And you pick it up and you connect the vine to the lattice to get it off of the ground. Say, Jesus is saying, this is, this is your life. This is the way I made you to live. You connected to this vine, producing fruit. A rule of life starts to put pieces in, into our life that helps us get up off the ground. So we put in a pause. Morning. Evening. We wake up in the morning. We do our YouVersion Bible study. Anybody have the YouVersion doing studies on a regular basis? We take time for prayer, meditation. I miss the... Remember the I Believe series? I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. Reminding ourselves of our story. I use that on a regular basis. Remember what it is that we believe. It's mental health, well-being. Reminding ourselves of our story. Journaling, the tool that I use, a resource. Worship, personal worship. Anybody have um, the capacity to play music, worship music on your phone, in your house? It's a resource. Uh, things that we use to help us rem to stay connected to God, to love God in our worship. Corporate worship, coming together, together with God's people, community, fellowships, small groups, all these things are resources that God uses to help us continue to live and grow in him. It is, it is salvation. It is rescue that leads to restoration and healing and wholeness. And without them, right, we end up back in the dirt. The life of God the kingdom of God requires a new rule. And I want to encourage you. This is, this, is not, this is not guilt. This is not shame. This is not legalism. This is not law. This is not rules. Make it as simple as you need it. We started out with a one-minute pause twice a day. If you don't have time for it, Ask yourself, am I walking and living in God's kingdom or am I still waiting on God to help me with my life? He wants something more for you than just your life. Keep it simple, but spread it throughout your morning, noon, and night. 
if just a minute a day, morning, evening, and night. Because the idea is to keep God front and center, arranging our days to experience the life of God throughout the day, to be mindful of him, be mindful of his presence. And as we remember, then to learn to walk and grow in more deeper and more, more deeper and deeper, more intimate communion and fellowship with him. We're going to start a new series next week. And uh, we're actually going to learn um, together uh, Psalm 23. We're going we're gonna to memorize it together. I, some of you are saying, I can't memorize. We can't. We're going to take enough time. We're going to memorize Psalm 23, and we're going to meditate on it. And we're going to continue this work of how do I create a life of walking with the good shepherd. So this is not the last time you're going to hear some of these things. We're going to continue to build on this because my desire, my intention for each one of you is for you to know God, not just in your head, in your heart, not just know about him, but to know him experientially, to experience him every day in your life. And that comes through our union, through our connection to him. Sunday to Sunday is not enough for the life that God experienced a purpose for you to know. Lord, I pray you would continue to the work that you've begun in us. To draw us deeper into a connection with you that brings forth an abundance of life. That where there's doubt that this can actually happen, or that you would maybe not even help us believe, just help us to do a couple things in that direction and then show us that you are a God who hears and answers and responds as we move towards you at the invitation that you've extended to us. I pray over your church. I pray over every person who is sitting in the sanctuary today and every person who's watching online and everyone who will watch, Lord, that you would deepen their hunger and their thirst to know you to be less and less satisfied with the the things that we have settled for and more and more desirous of the life that you have for us. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in your church as it is in heaven in our hearts, in our homes, in our lives as it is in heaven. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.